In improvisational theatre, there's an adage that says make your partner look good. In leadership and business relationships, this means you can make personal interactions a win-win situation for both you and your colleagues. Welcome to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. Speaking with guests and listeners like you, Amy uses her wisdom and wit, leading you along the road to success. Now, here's your host, Amy Carroll. Welcome, everyone to my Partner Up with Amy Carroll monthly podcast series. As a communication coach, trainer, speaker, and author, I'm delighted to bring you insights and ideas to help you solve your communication conundrums. This is the April episode of my podcast series. If you want to find out more about me or my previous guests, feel free to listen to previous episodes either on my website, carolcoaching.com, or the voiceamerica.com business channel. Be sure to download the app or tune in using your favorite podcast app. If you missed last week or last month's episode, I interviewed thought leader Reshma Ramachandran. Ramachandran, there we go. I was pronouncing her, her name last week for someone and I, it flowed so beautifully. And it was a great discussion because we talked about leading business transformations and uh, Reshma really brought some of her experience and insights to that conversation. So be sure to check that out from March. Now today, my guest is Fadwa. Now let's see if I can do it right, Fadwa. Jimin, no, Jiminden, no. Gimiden. Gimiden. Oh, I thought I was going to do it right. Gimiden. Okay, beautiful. So um, it's great to have you on. Thank you for joining me. Uh, thank you as well. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to discuss about certain subjects that still are a bit uncomfortable to talk about, especially when it comes to the professional world. True. Yeah. So we're going to get into that. And Fadwa, I want to tell the listeners a little bit about who you are and how we met. Mm -hmm. So they have an appreciation for the conversation. Now, uh, Fadwa, it's only been what, three or four weeks, right? Yeah. 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 Feels like I've known you much longer than that. Yeah. So the charms. (laughs) So Fadwa and I met in Belgium, in Brussels, uh, during her executive MBA course. I was teaching the leadership presence course there, the executive presence course. And um, this is through BMI, Baltic Management Institute. Shout out to them. So thank you, BMI, for connecting me with Fadwa. Amazing human being. So listeners, here's the thing. Fadwa's main job is team lead at Atasso. Did I say that right? Is that how you pronounce the company name? Atos. Atos. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm very creative with my pronunciations. That, and, that works. Yes. And now uh, she's a software engineer there and currently studying, as I mentioned, the MBA with the plan to transition to strategic product management where tech, business, growth, and sales meet and are featured. Now, Fadwa is working on launching her startup on career development and human capital. And the startup is called, see how we do, Kore Wakori. No. Kore Wakori, did I say it right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah. You're being kind. Kore Wakori. Oh, yes, yeah, you say it more beautifully. <laughs> so Kore Wakori means this is this. That's what you got, this life. No monsters under your bed, no phantoms hiding behind you in the corridor. So 
Fadwa, say a little bit more about this startup. I, saw, I find it quite fascinating. Yeah, so uh, thank you again for having me. Yeah. Uh, well, the, the idea of the startup actually, it, it began in 2014, actually, and it became with my co-founder. Um, and at that time we were still doing our studies. So we were like, okay, let's, let's make it, you know, sleep a little bit until we gain enough experience and we go to the professional world before actually launching it. Um, and then, yeah, he came again. He was like, yeah, I'm doing my PhD. And I was like, do you really want to do this on your PhD or do you want to do this as a startup? <laughs> and so it kind of started as the startup idea from what we've discussed in 2014. And the idea is simply that the professional world sees people in a very vertical way, um, in the sense of like, you're born, you studied, you worked, you did this, you did this, you're going to retire. But our lives are more complex. I mean, yes, we have that chronological order, but we have multiple things that going on and we don't really see them appreciated, mm. especially when it comes to showing our skills. Like um, my friends, especially like the second level immigrants, they always joke about we are uh, we have legal knowledge without studying legal things because they have to translate things to their parents all the time. Oh, fascinating. And so they, they say, like, we don't know how to put that in a CV because we do know it because all of our lives we were the people translating it, but we don't have the certificate to be able to do it. And so this is what we're trying to do. We're trying to bring people's lives the things that they learned in their life, not just through their studies, not just through their uh, work, and to how it can actually make them better in the jobs that they're doing. Oh my gosh, you really take looking at the whole human being and valuing all of their assets and skills and experience. Exactly. Wow, that's really cool. So listeners, not only is uh, Fadwa busy with that, she's also the North African representative of the Pan-African Youth Network for the Culture of Peace and member of the African Diaspora Youth Forum in Europe. And you can check that out at adyfe.eu slash team. Now, through both of these positions, Fadwa also volunteers and consults with UNESCO. Our most recent project was involved with the Biennial of Luanda. And this is where you're the program manager of yeah. the youth engagement program before and during the biennial through training, discussions, presentations. What's that experience like? Uh, it's, a, it's a very enriching experience, <laughs> if that's the way to say it. This is actually the second time that I was in the organizing committee of the BNL. The first one was in 2019, so it was before COVID. Uh -huh. So uh, it was in Luanda, so we were in Angola, we were physically present. This edition was all of it online, um, featuring 40 plus countries, among them um, state representatives, among them um, youth representatives of different organizations. We had people from Brazil to Sweden. And under all of that is like, Fadwa, figure out how to manage all of that. And I was like, Holy yes, smokes. let's do that. Because <laughs> so, I got nothing else to do. Exactly. And so the BNL, uh, especially the youth program, is related towards how we can make the entirety of youth works towards a culture of peace. And a culture of peace um 
is related to how we can create a dignified living for people through work, education, and social inclusion. Mm -hmm. And so we had these three different aspects. We talked about organizations that are working towards education. Uh, we talked with entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. We talked with people who are working on social inclusions and et cetera. And so that was the pretty much the global idea behind the BNL. Okay. And the most important part was the trainings in the sense of like, because we had people from Brazil and people from Sweden, people from Europe and Africa. So everyone was teaching their best practices. This is what worked in Brazil. This is what worked in Sweden. And so there was a lot of learning that was happening when people had aha moments of like, oh, I can actually use this in my organization or I can actually use this in my country. And so that was pretty much the, the englobing, let's say, experience of the BNL. Um, and I think the most difficult part was managing the team managing the BNL because my yeah, team had 13 beings. people <laughs> and we were all online. So it was I was in Belgium, uh, my colleague was in Togo, the other one was in Gabon, the other one was in Morocco, the other one was in Italy, the other one was in Angola. And we had to literally work together to make it through. So uh, between figuring out time zones and figuring out what language we're gonna use because there's four spoken languages and between uh, emails and between our work, because it's it's something to the side. So you have already your work. Right, so there was like right. all of those different things going on together. Um, and finally, we were able to deliver a very good uh, and a very successful experience in December, 2021. Wow, congratulations. How many Thank youth you. attended? So we had about 170 youth organizations uh -huh. um, that attended the program. Wow, that's, uh, that's impressive. And, and I'm guessing you're gathering sort of their success stories or how they're applying all this learning. Exactly. So the, the idea is to really at the end is the idea how to translate all of that into policies mm -hmm. um, that we can use, uh, especially with um, whether it's the UN um, youth or with uh, the right now UNESCO is working on UNESCO uh, youth ministry or with the African Union. Um, and so it's like really like working on recommendations and policies of like, this is what worked in different places. And this is what we'd like to see coming in the future. Okay. So, you know, and, and listeners, that was just the introduction of who this woman is. We haven't even gotten to the official questions. So yep. Fadwa, wow, holy smokes, you are a busy woman. I am indeed. And um, funnily enough, it's thanks to my ADHD. Oh, yes, to that. that. we're going to talk about that in a minute. So, so yes, it, it pays off. Exactly. So I am, I'm, I'm officially diagnosed with ADHD. I've always knew that I had it, but I. Before yes. you, you go further for some listeners, I think it'd be great to give a shorthand definition of what is of ADHD. Of course. So ADHD is, um, attention deficits, um, uh, hyperactivity disorder. And the things that you, there are three different branches of that's the way to say it. You either have impulsivity, which is the part of risk-taking and just wanting to, you know, do whatever it is at that moment. One of which is interrupting people when they talk. <laughs> um, and uh, the, the second uh, part, which is the hyperactivity, which is like not being able to stay still and always wanting to do things. It's like, we always need to move and everything. The third part is combined. 
and I happen to ha have the third one. So I have combined. <laughs> I have the impulsivity part and I have the, the trifecta. <laughs> so yeah, I hit the jackpot. <laughs> and so the, the thing with ADHD is that from a very young age, one needs to know how to manage that. And so I think that's where I'm like thankful to my mom because we had very strict routines and everything. And that helps you to create your own routine. And so helps you to manage all of those things. Because even though impulsivity and hyperactivity seems like, you know, bad words in a, in a way, mm -hmm. when they're managed, they become an asset. Wow, isn't that cool? Exactly. Because through that, through the part which we call impulsivity, yeah. uh, I'm able to actually kind of like trigger my fight or flight mechanism in the sense of like, I can take decisions even when I don't have enough information. Uh -huh. um, or I can know exactly when I need to do things even when they look risky. Um, and when it comes to the hyperactivity part, it's more of like now when I can take on different projects at the same time and I still be able to balance between them and I feel like I did you know different things and fulfilled parts of it mm. and so yeah so there's the thing and um, if there's a way to describe it having ADHD is like having a hundred tv channels on all the time in your mind wow that's quite an analogy wow I went into a bar once and there were nine screens playing at the same time. And I was like, I can't handle it. <laughs> exactly. So, and that's where wow. we, we lose the attention because mm, we have course. multiple things going on all the time. So once, if you, if, for example, a teacher does not appeal to a student with ADHD to the class, mm. they will go to the other 99 channels in their mind. They'll be sure. like, yeah, this is not interesting. So I'm just mm. going to flip to something else. Mm -hmm. I have, I want to ask you another question about this from a professional, a professional perspective. And yeah. before I do that, though, I want to ask, um, when you describe it to me, is there a higher risk or, yeah, of burnout for you? Actually, yes. Mm. If one, because the thing is, I mean, like, biologically speaking, if that's the way to say it, ADHD is linked to the lack of dopamine. And so far as to function we keep looking on a way to increase our dopamine. So we looked into stimulus. Uh -huh. And so one of the ways to look into stimulus is finding things that are interesting and going into them. So if you really love your job, you can do 12 hours a day. Uh -huh. And without even feeling tired or not being able to do it. And so it's not like, it's not a burnout because there's a pressure. It's more of a burnout because you're, mind is hyper focusing on the interests that you're doing and by the end of it you're like the body cannot keep up with what the mm -hmm. mind is actually looking for kind of like um like a motor in a vehicle that's revving really exactly. high and at some point it's gonna exactly burn out. okay okay that helps to understand so um as a woman with adhd working mm -hmm. in stem and for listeners stem is an acronym for science technology engineering and math You've lived in the U.S. and Tunisia, where you were born, and now in Europe. Would you d share some more lessons you've learned and how else this has helped you in your professional and your personal life um, that you haven't already shared with us? All right. So um, 
first, like, because having ADHD, especially when you're in a very restricted, let's say, community, people do not understand what you're going through. Um, and especially with the teachers or with, or with your colleagues. And so until high school, I have very few friends because people didn't understand why I'm fidgeting mm-hmm. or why I am like hyper-focusing. So they're asking me questions, but I'm not answering mm-hmm. and they think that I'm ignoring them. Uh-huh. And, you know, like all of those things of like, why is that happening? <laughs> and you're trying to explain, but they don't really explain. Mm-hmm. And so from all of those different things, I learned kind of like how to mask, which is something that a lot of neural um, diverse people do, mm-hmm. which is like, how can I look as neurotypical as possible? Oh, that sounds exhausting. It is. And that's when we're later on, we're going to discuss about managing people when, okay. in a neurodiverse team. Okay. Because for us people like in the neurodiverse um, spectrum, like people, I tell them, you don't have any idea how many people in your vicinity that are neurodiverse, right. but you don't know about it because they learned how to mask. Right. And neurodiversity in the end, it's not seen. It's not something that you see. So you don't, unless someone comes forward with it, it's difficult to know whether a person is neurotypical, neuroatypical. Mm-hmm. And so there was that part. So in Tunisia, thanks to my brothers, we come from a scientific family and my brothers were crazy about math and physics and they were a bit older than me. And so I remember all of my, like from the age of three to seven, um, I'm playing with the math books Thankfully, they weren't getting mad, actually, now that I think about it. I'm like, how did you not get mad after I like written all of your books and stuff like that? But yeah, so like a lot of a lot of my, uh, let's say, um, orientation towards STEM comes from my brothers because Uh uh, we played a lot together. We we built stuff together and they showed me how things work and they intrigued my curiosity in that in that part. And so I was like, okay, this is something I understand. This is logical, which is one of the things that are related to ADHD. We want things that are a bit understandable. Mm-hmm. And then you go within that. I did my first part of engineering, and then I had the possibility to go to the US. And so I went, and that was my first, let's say, cultural shock. If that's if that's the way to say it, it was my first trip ever, wow. um, and it was what on. Age? Uh, it was at the age of twenty. Okay. It was my first trip outside of outside of Tunisia, um, and it was a shock because in Tunisia we had a parity in STEM when it comes to genders. Oh, shoot. So when you go to classes, you find as many women as many men. So uh-huh. this not, there is no discussion of you know, like female male parity when it comes to that. And so I went to the US and I went to class and there were three women and I was like, where's the women? <laughs> and so that is it, was- Is it the women's day off? Is it, did, I, yeah. did I have a day off today? No one told me. <laughs> Something like that, exactly. Oh, and so there was the learning part of understanding cultural differences. And that's when I started to be intrigued by the idea of what makes a society a society and what makes a culture a culture. And I started to learn about all these different things. And then slowly I started to integrate myself. It was difficult at first because people were like, okay, this African woman coming here to class saying that she's studying software engineering. Um, And I'm like, yeah, but my brothers, both of them were engineers and they never see me 
as a sister or as a female counterpart, uh, but more like a person who's actually interested in doing what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And so it took time to understand where that comes from and how to integrate all those kind of different things. Like, um, and one of the things that is that might seem obvious is not to be personal. I know that the relationship not to take things personal. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's a good one. The relationship is is true that it's because people see you as a woman. Right. But in the end, it's a conception. It's right. it's an ideology, if that's the way to say it. Yeah. And if every person takes it personally, there will not be communication. And so at a certain moment, I was like, okay, let's forget that I'm a woman. Let's mm -hmm. forget that you're a man. Let's let's just discuss about the subjects. Mm -hmm. And yeah, by the end of it, I started like I have now seven of my best friends are male software engineers in the US. That's so cool. Who, who we met through the school. I want to interrupt you a second because there I'm in the middle of reading this book and I want you to know about it and listeners may be interested mm -hmm. uh, because there is a story that is seems so similar. So the book is called Black Magic by Chad Sanders. Oh, okay. And he interviews Black leaders, scientists, artists, activists, and champions. And his, the theme is, what have you learned? You know, these are most of these people have grown up in the U.S. where racism is still very rampant. Yeah. And, he, and his question is, what, is, what have you learned from the trauma of, of being a, a person of color in America and the triumph? And just yesterday, I was listening to a story of a female scientist, or I think she's also an engineer and talked about the same thing with having brothers. And that's where she was inspired to go into STEM. Um, so that's a book you might enjoy reading for many different reasons. Yeah. Okay, so thank you for letting yeah, me add thank that. Thank you very part. much. Mm -hmm, sure. Yeah, you're welcome. And so, yeah, and so from there, I went to Europe and then again, um, you're in a new setting because in the U.S. I kind of learned how to be free because one of the things about the U.S. that I really appreciate is the ability to express freely. Yeah. Like no one, what I call, no one is holding the knife under your neck. Yeah. In the sense of like, you can just be who you are and that's how it is. And so I kind of experienced that part of like, you know what? Yes, I do have ADHD. I'm not neurotypical I'm not like other people and it's okay mm -hmm. and I don't have to mask it and yeah. I don't have to put you know anything towards it and so that's how my my journey came hand in hand between the stem and ADHD and growing up and learning all those different things and from there I started to be more interested in people not just science mm -hmm. um and that's why we... I yeah go ahead thanks um yeah, you're going to definitely want to read this book because that's the, that's was the other guy's his, the writer's theme is that he was trying to fake it and fit in or mask, as you said. Yeah. And uh, finally, he's like, "Forget it. Enough is enough." And I had a similar experience when I moved to Switzerland because I'm such an extroverted American. I I think I scared the heck out of people, and I had someone actually say to me, "Amy, you need to bring it down, girl. You're never going to make it here if you just like you're normal." And I tried, Fadwa, I tried, I tried to keep myself in that box and I was miserable. 
and my even synchronicity stopped happening to me. Yeah. I didn't notice that till later on. At some point, I just said, oh, you know, uh, this is not fun. Forget it. I'm going to go back to being me. And there's going to be some people who are going to be, you know, attracted to that. And there's going to be some people who run away and I can't be friends with everybody anyway. So, so be it. Um, and so making that peace with myself and hearing your story of how you brought that it came together, is, it's really beautiful. And one thing I want to say is how touched I was, and this is why we're getting to talk today, yeah. because in, I think, in the morning of the first session of the training, you casually said, oh, yes, I'm ADHD. And only one other time in the 21 years I've been training has one person, other person, you know, in, at Microsoft in uh, Seattle said to me, you know, I have Asperger's. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. I mean, and it's such a huge gift for you to uh, give me that information. I didn't quite know what to do with it. I knew it was important. And I was so grateful for your, your trust and your, or your ease or your peace with which you were. Because I think you understand, and this is where I want you, if you're willing to, mm -hmm. to add more, you understand, oh, uh, other people, this is going to shortcut issues if people understand this about me. So exactly. um, we're going to need to take a break. Of course. So um, can we pause that here? And then when we come back, I want to hear you uh, talk more about that. Absolutely. Okay, great. So listeners, you can connect with and find out more about Fadwa on her LinkedIn page. And that's spelled F-A-D-W-A-G-M-I-D-E-N. And you, if listeners, if you want to take your superhero partner powers into the next decade and beyond, join me for my online leadership presence course. You can find out more about this on my website, Carol Coaching. And when we come back, we'll be hearing more from Fadwa. Stay tuned. You're listening to Partner Up with Amy Carroll on the Voice America Business Channel. Do you have colleagues, family members, or neighbors that just drive you crazy sometimes? Do you occasionally find yourself feeling disrespected, mistreated, or annoyed by others? As a no-nonsense communication coach, trainer, speaker, and author, Amy Carroll may have a solution for you. For over 35 years, Amy has studied status and power dynamics, what sabotages relationships, results, and how to get desired outcomes in business and personal interactions. Make Your Partner Look Good is a philosophy from improvisational theatre, as well as Amy's favourite mantra. For the last 20 years, she has been using her superhero powers to inspire individuals and multinationals around the globe to transform their communication and tap into their own partner powers. With concrete behaviour changes in voice, body language, words and attitude, Amy shows clients what to keep and what to change to get more of what you want more often with less hassle. Visit carolcoaching.com today. That's C-A-R-R-O-L-L coaching.com. You are listening to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. We want participation from you. Feel free to send an email to amy at carolcoaching.com. Now, Back to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. Here again is Amy. Welcome back, everyone. 
My guest today is Fadwa Gimiden. Gim Gim Gimiden. Exactly. Gimiden, a software engineer and convergent thinker. We've been discussing the power of self-awareness and the um, uniting ourselves so that we can show up fully as ourselves. Fadwa, I posed a question before the break, so let's pick it up from there. All right, so one of the reasons why is it, it, it is, as you said, it kind of shortens the length of getting issues because a lot of times people are like, why are you not listening? Why are you not with us? Or, you know, like all of those different things. And so putting it out there already gives that build of trust. And even if something happens, the other person not only understands, but because you were frank about it, they will be like, yeah, it's okay. I think, you know, I think we can do something about it and we will figure out, you know, what to do about it. Mm -hmm. And one of the other reasons why I'm doing it also, because I am in a team, I am a team lead of a neurodivergent group. Okay. Let's talk about that. And yes. So as we talked earlier, I said like a lot of neurodiverse people, um, they tend to mask and the masking literally takes up to 30 or even sometimes 40% of the energy um, that we're supposed to use um, to be with our family or to work or to study, but we use it to actually look normal. And because of that, one of the reasons why a lot of neurodivergent people actually burn out because at work, they try their best to fit in within the normal, typical kind of settings. Mm -hmm. And so they're pushing their bodies and they're pushing their minds. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they're even pushing themselves through over medicating, Mm -hmm. um, especially for those who who are having medication to be like, okay, I'm not going to have a pill. I'm going to have to. Uh, to keep me focused. Mm -hmm. And so all of that actually makes the team dysfunctional because there is someone who's not comfortable. Um, There there is no trust built. The fact that someone is not being able to come frank with it. And so the first things that we did as a team, we were like, okay, just to tell you, I'm the team leader and I have ADHD. So we put that in the table. How did people respond? Ah, and suddenly people will be like, yeah, by the way, I'm dyslexic. I have dyscalcia. And like, you started to have like these all different things and you're like, okay, here you go. Like, all right, done. <laughs> We're all good. Wow. And that actually built the trust because people were like, okay, this is someone who's re- reliable and capable and someone who's just putting it out there. And so we're going to be able to be there. And one of the things that we did was that we created uh, what we called uh, an employer employee profile mm-hmm. in the sense of like, what is your communication style? Are you a bullet point person? Are you colors person? And, and when we started to work on that, we started to create a better communication within the team. Mm-hmm. And so for those like me who have short uh, attention span, I like bullet points. So they send me bullet points. Nice. And for the other person who's more oriented toward paragraphs, they send the paragraphs. And so we started to have a better team dynamic because we started to understand where each person is. Wow. And I think this is one of the parts that a lot of multinational and international organizations fail yeah. because they're big, they're everywhere. So I'm mm-hmm. certain there is there are people in your organizations that are doing it, 
but not only the neurodivergent, but they're also not from the same country. So in my team, we're from Venezuela, we're from Russia, we're from Tunisia. Uh, so you have cultural differences, you have language differences, um, you have like neurodiversity, and because of all of that, it's complex. Um, English, none of us has English as their first language, we communicate in English. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of learning and there's a lot of forgiveness yeah. that needs to be made in the process. Nice. Because there are a lot of cultural aspects of like, this is okay in my culture, it's not okay in your culture, and it creates conflicts. Mm -hmm. And so the idea is like, how to bring all of those differences and to build them into creating a very functional team. And this is where the leader comes in. It's like, they need to start first. They need to, they need to create the initiative for the team to feel safe, yeah. to be able to create that environment. And what I've, I'm hearing from the example you gave, Fadwa, is I'm a big fan of showing vulnerability and the power that that has. And that's what you did. It, you revealed this thing about yourself that has societally, it still has some judgment around it. And you just put it out there, you named it, you showed the confidence and the ease you had with it. And then, uh, as you said, it also, you know, that vulnerability also built trust. Um, so you talked about the, the multinationals and these international companies. And I'm curious to know uh, what tools, methodologies do you adopt and apply as a leader and a team member? You said some of them mm -hmm. for these neurodiverse groups. What else would you add to that list? Um, I think like the, the three most important parts, if, um, if I may say, the first one, icebreakers are very important uh -huh. because, because of our, neuro, especially for us, because of our neurodiversity or gender diversity or sexual diversity, we are afraid of people judgment right and the best way to create to kind of put that off is icebreakers mm. um but also when creating those icebreakers they need to be mindful of all the different things that happen so if i came from the start i say i have adhd and i have someone else who's in icebreakers so we make sure that we don't create something that has a high sensual semblance not mm -hmm. very loud noise. So mm -hmm. we're not going to go to a karaoke bar, mm -hmm. if that's the way to say it. And so it's to create the right icebreakers depending mm -hmm. on the profiles that we have. Mm -hmm. That is the first part. Um, and the second one that really worked with us is what we called pair working, which is once a week, you bring two people and they work together on the same task. Uh -huh. And because they work together on the same task, they start to share information and feedback and be like, yeah, I wouldn't do it this way, but I think this one is better. And because they're working on it together, they start to express freely more. Yeah. Um, and of course, in the middle, there has to be some conflict resolution in the way. There needs to be someone who's actually managing if, if like the two of them are not uh, seeing head to head, how to manage all of that part. Um, and so these, like these especially two methodologies I find them very interesting and very important uh, when it comes to creating teams. And so icebreakers and pair work. Pair work, yeah. Wow. And it worked really well, especially with what I call temporary teams, mm -hmm. which what happens with UNESCO, for example, in the short-term projects, because we're going to work together for three months and then we're going to go. We cannot take three months to know each other for us to work. The mm -hmm. project's three months. Mm -hmm. And so we need to have it very quickly. So icebreakers, pair work, 
get you to know the people very quickly and get to speed up that part. Um, and the last part, which is strictly all like 99% of companies fail at onboarding. Uh They so fail on onboarding in the sense of, I don't just need to know who I'm going to report to and who are my colleagues are, but I also need to know what's the culture within the company. I need to know what are the communication protocols. I need to know like, all the different things that are related to communication and what I call the transferability. It's not, it's not technical skill related. And a lot of companies fail at that. And because of that, a lot of people, they'll be working for a year and they'll be like, yeah, I didn't feel, I didn't find my place yet in the company. Wow. And you're like, but you've been working there for years. Like, yeah, but I only know two people. I don't even communicate with all of my team. Mm -hmm. And so these are like, I find the most important parts um, try to create onboardings that are inclusive. Um, not everyone can watch videos. Not everyone can read text. Um, you know, like to make it more inclusive to everyone. So just mix between both. There are the article version. There is the video version. There is the audio version. Uh-huh. Um, try to make it as uh, what we call visually pleasant as possible. Mm-hmm. Some people have color blindness. Some people. Um, they cannot concentrate in certain colors. And so all of these different things that seem obvious, right? like when we talk about it, but it's very hard to implement. And it's also because that the people who work there, who are already neurodiverse, who are already within the diversity team are afraid to speak up right. because they're masking. Right. So they don't want people to know. So they, they cannot go and be like, um, I think if you actually do this and this yeah. is going to be better. Yeah. And so there's going to be like, but how did you know? <laughs> right. And um, I think I this is what, <laughs> exactly. And this is why I think our product, when it comes to Kuri Wakuri is, is very important is because we are culturally and neurologically and genderly and all those different things diverse. Yeah. So we come with a 3D view. Yeah. I see it one way. My co-founder see it another way. Yeah. Uh, our friend from Venezuela sees it in another way. Yeah. And when we combine all of those together, you start to see a more complete version of like yeah. how we can make this inclusive. Yeah. It's not directed to a group. It's being inclusive where so, both the groups can coexist. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm hearing, uh, capturing some of the nuggets of what you've said mm-hmm. with the onboarding, for example, offer as much variety in the way the information or the activity is done. So yeah. that you're at least you're increasing the likelihood of appealing to a style that will work for someone. Exactly. You know, Fadwa, during the training, I don't know if you remember saying this, we we're going through the li- a list of behaviors that can give the perception of being nervous or, or mm-hmm. being a, a prey. And the word was about fidgeting when yeah. someone's moving a lot. And I said, you know, that can give the perception that you're uncertain, you're uncomfortable or you're not confident. And you pointed out that it could also be an indication of someone who's neurodiverse and they're reacting either to the lights or sound or something like that. And I thought, oh my gosh, what a gift that is. Cause, and I'm I, like, part of me is horrified. How come I never even thought about that? Cause if, when you're in the majority, you don't, you have the luxury exactly. of not having to think about it. So that was 
already very a concrete um, um, takeaway for me. I'm curious to know, are there more of those kind of things that you would share with neurotypicals who, you know, to kind of like a, a shorthand education that we can be to raise our awareness? Yeah, um, I think there, there are other two things. Um, one is like, for example, when there was a hype about uh, having movable desks mm -hmm. and open space, yeah, I hated those. I seriously hated those because, because of my ADHD. So I'm a kind of person who like, I need to familiarize myself with the place. So I will not lose attention when I go back to the place. Okay. And so when I go to the company, they're like, yeah, that desk is not available. Someone else is there. So I'm going to go to a new desk. And so I need to familiarize myself with that area again for me uh -huh. to be able to start working. And she's like 30 minutes, maybe that has already lost from work. Wow. And it happens over and over and over again and that creates frustration and if there is no outlet where you can actually voice out that thing then by the end of the day you're losing an employee and someone who's who has a certain knowledge is leaving the company and one of the other things is it's very important whether it's for neurotypicals or neurotypicals is to have one-on-one -on -one support any company needs to be able to create an outlet for anyone to be able to come and be like, I'm uncomfortable with this. Mm -hmm. Because in the end, the well-being of the employees within the company is what creates good products. It's what creates good revenue. It's what creates, what generates money. If everyone's yeah. frustrated, yeah. you're not going to get anything in the end. And I think that that's one of the things that are very, very important um, and the second one, I think it's time for the HR people to step away from their old, uh, what I call the red, blue, green colors. Okay. Um, so there's this thing where they do an HR assessment and they give you a color. And depending on that color, that's your work style. But a person is a lot more complex than a color. You're not like, okay you have a certain let's say you're analytical or you're a conceptual thinker or you're a structural thinker okay I, I get that part but a person has other aspects that's come with it and because of that categorizing actually it creates more problems mm -hmm. because I think that by putting a green with a blue with a yellow it's going to make a good team and I'm like there are other aspects that needs to be taken into consideration mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. before actually starting out doing that kind of things. Mm -hmm. You know, um, we're, ta we're talking about this idea of helping the population of neurotypicals become more sensitive, more aware, more included. In. Have you, when we met in Brussels, did we talk about the Netflix show, The Good Doctor? Yes, we did. Now, you might have a different opinion. So as a neurotypical, I am, I'm loving this show. It is giving me, and I don't know how accurate it is. Or, you know, some people might watch it go, oh my God, that's horrifying what he's doing. I, I don't know. Though I have to say, it's, it's raising my muscle to, you know, get more clued in, to be more aware, to um, appreciate even more the different gifts people have depending on how they, they're, they're showing up in the world. 
Um, what are your thoughts on that? On the good um, first of all, since it's a show, so it's exaggerating to a level. Right, that's what I guess. <laughs> but um, on the parts of it, actually on the parts of it being shedding the light mm -hmm. on it. Uh, I think it was uh, one time when we're um, in a meeting with, with a group of neurodiverse people and there was um, a person who's, uh, who's having Asperger's and he was like, I'm a conceptual thinker. Like you can give me any design and I can think it like in 3D and I can see everything. And people would come to me and be like, you're smart. And I'm like, I don't understand. It's the same as breathing for you. And this is one part that I feel like people forget about. For us, this is the daily life. This is how we live. It's like you breathe in the morning. Mm -hmm. It's like you, it's just, it's just a function that comes in built in. <laughs> if that's the way to say in our brains, that's how we do things. Um, and we were talking about it. He was like, I wish people would just stop telling me how smart I am. Mm -hmm. Because to me, it's just, it's just something that I do. Right. It's not like I'm not this alienated pe person. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that people often fall into. And they'll be like uh, what I call over friendliness. And they'll be like, oh my God, you have ADHD. You did good. You did great. You did your, uh, you did your master's. You did, you did your work. This is wonderful. This is amazing. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> like I'm letting- condescending. Exactly. Yeah. And, and that's yeah. one of the things, and that's one of uh, the other reasons why a lot of neurodiverse people will be like, I don't want to say it at work. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I rather like manage with the masking than having this like conversation of mm -hmm. like, oh, and so how does your mind work? Mm -hmm. Tell me, like, if I tell you a story, would mm -hmm. you actually conceptual? And I'm like, mm -hmm. undesired attention. Like, yeah no <laughs> that's yeah. that's not what we're doing here yeah. Yeah. uh and that's what i liked about the good doctor uh because the head surgeons were like well we're not gonna pamper you yep you decided to do it you're gonna do it mm -hmm. uh, and i think that is one of the lessons that people should um actually take on is yeah. that we're not looking for pampering no and they do you're right they do a really good job of modeling how to be normal with exactly Exactly. Yeah. And so that's, that's one of the most important takeaways. That's one of the things why I really like the good doctors. Like when the part is like, if you're going to be a surgeon, you're going to be a surgeon. You're mm -hmm. going to, we're going to apply the same rules if that's the way to say it. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that was good because it shows that you are recognized as someone who's different, mm -hmm. but you are not fundamentally treated as different. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. And then I remember now I've watched another Netflix show called Atypical. Yes. Which was also very powerful. So my, I guess um, we haven't gotten to the official call for action though. I'm going to just throw yeah. one out there now, which is if, if listeners, if you're, a, this is appealing and you're curious and maybe you're nervous and worried about making mistakes, expose yourself you know, if you like Netflix, Atypical and The Good Doctor are two series that yeah. I can recommend personally. Um, and so far, Fadwa, you've given us lots of rich nuggets and suggestions. And in the few minutes we have remaining, mm -hmm. what else would you like to share with listeners? Um, I think for, I have 
two messages, if that's the way to say it. For leaders, you have more diversity than you think you do in mm. your organizations. And you seriously need to start to think about whether I'm creating a good environment for that diversity. Yeah. So that's like one of the parts. And the other one is for families. Before we go to families, yeah. let's stay with the listener, the leaders for a moment. Yeah, of course. Um, how, what are some tangible, tangent, no, tangible steps? Um, for example, actually right now, almost everywhere in the world, there are always, there's always organizations. For example, here in Brussels, you have ADHD in Brussels. It's an okay. organization with tons of resources and tel- okay. talks and events and everything. And one of them is actually, they, ha- they also um, have um, executive uh, trainings for leaders who have neurodiverse streams. So there are a lot of different ways. Uh, Microsoft have it online. Uh, Microsoft, they have an online training uh, related to inclusivity and diversity. Um, there, are, there are a lot of TEDx uh, talks um, mm-hmm. that are related to that as well, um, okay. that, that could be very tremendous. So the information is out there. It's, I feel like it's the awareness that is lacking. Yeah. To be aware that there is more diversity than we ever think there is. Um, And so there's there's that part. Um, And to also not to be intimidated by it, because I feel like some people will be like, yeah, well, it looks like he's not normal. So I don't know if it's gonna integrate well. And there's a lot of that. And it's because of mystifying, if that's the way to say it, uh, what ADHD is or what autism is, because everyone, and still in their mind, they think about um, Rain Man when you say autism. Oh, right. You know? Exactly. And I'm like, it's a spectrum. <laughs> it's a very big spectrum. And you have both sides. And a lot of them who are masking, who just looks as neurotypical people. Yeah. Um, and so, and they're, they don't want it to to actually say it because of that, because of the Rain Man connotation. Yeah. If that's the way to Got say it. Got it. Okay. Um, and so that that's that's the part that I would like to say for leaders. And for families. Uh, and for families. Uh, I was very for- fortunate with my mom because my mom was a very patient person. Um, and she kind of like, because both me and my sister and my sister until third grade, uh, she didn't want to take her... Uh, bag oh. off her shoulders she goes to class with her bag and she sits there and she's like nope and I'm she good. goes back home she's like i'm good i got everything and so uh patience is important mm-hmm. um because they're already masking in the society so at mm-hmm. least make home a place where they can experience and express themselves mm-hmm. and not to make them over um like conscious of what it is and that's why we see a lot of a higher rates of depression and suicide and mm-hmm. self-harm mm-hmm. with people who are neurodiverse, especially. I mean, the, the latest case was seven-year-old who exhibited self-harm, uh, who had ADHD, because no one in the environment is understanding it. And so it's really important to have that kind of support system for them to be able to experience themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, it's just we're built differently. Absolutely. Oh, Fadwa, thank you for that. We, the time just flew by. Um, Indeed it was. Really rich for me. I'm just so grateful for you to being so open and sharing and generous. 
Thank you very much for inviting me. Yeah. Now, um, listeners, how would you like listeners to get in touch with you? Through LinkedIn? Yeah, LinkedIn works perfectly. Okay. And give spell out the name of your startup too. So the startup is K-O-R-E-W-A-K-O-R-E. Okay. K-O-R-E-W-A-K-O-R-E. Exactly. Dot dot com dot com okay great yeah probably the only one easy to find <laughs> so um l- listeners my other now we, you heard some beautiful call for actions from fadwa fadwa was there anything else that you wanted to add squeeze in at the last second uh not on the top of my head no okay. all right then in that case Listeners, my call for action is for you to send me your communication conundrums, clashes, challenges, mishaps, blunders, and successes. You can do that via email or directly with social media. I'll read them. I'll discuss them on on future shows. And my email is amy at carolcoaching.com. And that's two R's and two L's. So now next month, you're going to want to be sure to switch on, tune in, listen up and be inspired because I'll be interviewing another inspiring guest, bringing you great ideas and true stories for today's new world. Check out my website for more information, carolcoaching.com. Check and connect with me on social media, Amy Carol Coaching. Thank you, Fadwa. It's been a wonderful conversation. Thank you very much and enjoy your day. Yes. And thank you, listeners. You've been listening to partner up with Amy Carol on the Voice America Business Channel. Happy partnering, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. Join Amy for another edition next time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until we speak again, make it a great week. And remember, make your partner look good.